Welcome back, everybody. Dave Lee here along with Brandon running the show. And Steve Noonan is our guest today. Steve is a musician but has a great history with a number of people, including Prince, which we're going to tell you about coming up on the show today. It's all brought to you by our good friends over at StarBank.net. UCARE, great to have UCARE with us. Also by uh, the good people at Propane.com and Aquarius Home Services. Uh, dot com as well. By the way, this is the Aquarius Home Services dot com studio. That's where we're broadcasting from. You can subscribe to this podcast easily enough wherever you get yours, whether it's Apple or Spotify or right here at talknorth.com, where we have a long list of podcasts that you'd enjoy listening to as well. So uh, great to have you with Steve Noonan. Great to see you as always. Thanks for coming over. My pleasure, Dave. I love being here with you. Steve, uh, Steve is an accomplished musician, a uh, great guitar player, a songwriter. But before we get to all of that, Steve, your first concert. What my, was it? My first concert. Well, let me reach back into the memory banks. It was in the 70s. It was with the band Foreigner. Oh, wow. And I was not really a fan. The opener were the Cars. Opening this, for the for, for opener, Foreigner? Opener for the... Yeah, they were wow. just had blown up. It was at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which yeah. is now gone. Yeah, and you grew up out in that area. I did. I grew up out, out east in New Jersey. So... Uh, I had just wanted to go to a concert just to see anything because the one I really wanted to see was the one previous to that, Fleetwood Mac. My brother went to that, and I just couldn't go. I was younger. There were no tickets, but I was into rumors. I really wanted to see that band. It was at the Spectrum. Couldn't go. Turns out it was a real, it was a real mayhem. My brother told me the general admission was crazy. You know, they opened yeah. the doors back then. It was allowed. Festival seating. Right. Festival seating. <laughs> so he nearly got smushed. But oh. uh, So then I just said, well, I got to go to a concert. Anyone, a foreigner, right? I've heard of them. We go to this show, and uh, it's at the Spectrum, you know, the, the lights, uh, everything, the crowd. I mean, the women. I'm a 13-year-old. There are these women in their 20s wearing uh, rock wear yeah. that, as you know, enhance the fem female form and figure. And I was thinking, man, this, this is great. These concerts, you know? <laughs> so... And you hadn't heard the music yet. I, you know, I heard it, right? I hadn't even started. But, you know, the band was good. They came on, all the lights, the music, the instruments up there, you know. So it was okay. And then the cars come out. Oh, no, excuse me. Let me back up. Foreigner didn't come out. The cars came out first. And the crowd went nuts. And the cars, you know, they started playing my best friend's girlfriend. I thought, these guys are good, you know. And it turns out, you know, they were upstage in Foreigner. They left the tour midway through because they were, their record had blown up. So after they finished, maybe a third of the arena left. Man. And Foreigner was left to play to, you know, the dregs, I guess. But, I mean, they put on a good show, but, you know, the, the cars were with a band at the time. Their first album, you know, Rico Kasich, not Okasic, Rico Kasich uh, was, uh, you know, he had that look and, uh, you know, the band sounded good. And so that was my first experience. Do, who'd you go with? Do you remember? I, I think it was my brother. Okay, your brother was, was with brother. you. Yeah. yeah. Did he have a driver's license, or how'd you get over to the Spectrum? Yeah, he had a driver's <laughs> license. He's three years older than I was, so he was probably 16 or 17. I guess it must have been 14, something like that. So, Did, Was that an inspiration for you musically, or, or were you already kind of messing around with music at 13? I was just getting into it. Yeah. I mean, that band was not really an inspiration. After that, I started getting into Jackson Brown and Crosby, Stills, and Nash and, you know, Stephen Stills on his own and that, those West Coast, uh, you know, Laurel Canyon people. Yeah. and uh, that's, that's a great documentary, by the way. Oh, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that. Yeah. That's the one that... Yeah, you'd uh, really enjoy it. Jacob Dylan put that together, Yes, right? yes. Yeah, I have a story about him, too. Um, but uh, should I cut right into it? 
Well, why not? I guess as long as you mention them, and it's top of mind. This is I- a recent story. I was out in Asbury Park, New Jersey with my wife. Went to see the Wallflowers. I'm a fan. And uh, we'd been out there. You know, I go out and visit. And she'd always say, you know, I wish I could just run into someone. You know, you got Bruce Springsteen. You got John Bon Jovi out there. We go. We never go to the shore. Wouldn't it be great if they ran into him somewhere? So I said, yeah, you know, but they're not there a lot of the time. So we go to this show, Stone Pony, world famous club. Uh, you know, it's a small place. But uh, the Waffle Hours were there, so we get in there, and it's a great show. You know, they put on a good show, and good players, good songs. And then, so at the end, for the encore, Jacob says, all right, I got someone special, John Bon Jovi. So, <laughs> so he strolls out. Of course, my wife is, you know, I can't believe it. It happened. And they sang an Elvis Costello tune. Well, actually, it was a Nick Lowe tune, I think. It's what's so funny about Peace, Love, and Understanding. So I thought they were going to sing a Bon Jovi tune, but, uh, you know, they, they covered one. And it sounded good, but, uh, you know, that was one of her things she could check off, you know. But it was fun. Good show. And uh, uh, so would that's my story would, about them. Would Stone Pony be comparable at all to First Avenue here in town? It's a lot smaller. It's yeah. as famous. It's kind of a long, thin place. So that's the good thing about it and the bad thing about it. you got to get there early. You know, from the back, the stage faces... Uh, sideways as, instead hmm. of lengthwise in, in a rectangle. So there's, you're not very far. I mean, I was uh, probably 20 feet from the band, and uh, they, they do a lot of shows there. They do a lot of tribute shows, I've noticed now, but um, you know, every once in a while they have uh, original artists there, and he was one of them. Steve, hang on. I, I, uh, a million things we've got to talk about uh, concert-wise, and then uh, some of the people that you've worked with as well. And, of course, you're still playing. Uh, and recording, so a lot of things to talk about here with Steve Noonan. He's our guest on My First Concert, and great to have you with, uh, folks. And our thanks to StarBank.net for making it possible, and if you're expanding your business or doing repairs this year, this spring, this summer, whenever it is, uh, StarBank's your bank. Turnaround time on loans, pretty quick. Second to none, actually. No red tape here. Once you apply for a loan and submit your documentation, and away you go. And they get to know you. That's how they've built this business. They haven't been around for a short time. They've been around a long, long time. Started out right here in Minnesota, and uh, they continue to grow and get big, and they're right here in the metro as well as many of the areas in the state. Home equity lines of credit, home mortgage. You might be thinking about a business loan, ag operating, and that's a specialty. They know how to handle that. They have for years. Equipment loans, uh, camper. Maybe it's this is the time you're going to get that recreational vehicle, that RV. How about that? They handle everything. But the thing is that when you call, they answer the phone. When you go in the bank, they get to know you, and you'll probably get to know them pretty well, too. It's a really cool, almost a throwback field of the way banking should be today. And I would encourage you to uh, find out about your loan needs, get them met at Star Bank. It's family-owned. It's Minnesota-based. And, again, as I said, no hold times. You call, you talk to somebody. And it's exactly what you may remember. And if you haven't remembered it, it's a good thing to get familiar with. It's pretty cool. Loans are subject to a loan application and approval. Starbank.net, member FDIC and equal housing lender. Good people. Steve Noonan's with us. Uh, Steve has his own band. He has a number of uh, albums and CDs that he's recorded. We'll talk about. Steve, but let's go back to uh, the Twin Cities. What brought you to Minneapolis-St. Paul? Well, I came out here to uh, work in the recording business. And I had a friend out here who was working in it. And uh I'd met him in Boston, Mike Koppelman, is, and we met at Berkeley College of Music. So um, I came out here and, and started working at Cannon Falls at a studio. Oh, yeah. Um, Pachyderm. Pachyderm. Pachyderm Discs. Yeah. yeah. It's it, uh, still in existence, you know. 
And then after that, I uh, was able to secure a, a job at Paisley Park and kind of fell under P Prince's wing, you know, as an assistant first and then as the main engineer. So I, you know, was in the room with him alone a lot <laughs> and recorded the full band. Uh, so I was, uh, I did that for a couple years, you know. Were the hours wacky? Oh, yeah, the hours were wacky. Uh, they'd start anywhere between maybe noon and then go from maybe 4 a.m. later. Uh, <laughs> back then, we were, I was on a beeper, you know? Yeah. So you get beeped at midnight to come in. Yeah. Usually, if you made it to midnight, you'd feel safe, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was just all, all the time. Yeah, he, his hours were... So that that's yeah. true. All that people say about the hours he... He worked were just kind of scattered everywhere, and yeah. I guess that's true, huh? He would get in, from what I could tell, about 10 a.m. to the office, you know, and then call the engineers in about 12, 1, 2 maybe, and then uh, work until, I don't know, 4 or 5, sleep a couple hours, and then back in to the record company office, you know? Mm -hmm. So he was he was busy, Yeah, you know? It was but, like a gigantic home studio for him, you know? Yeah, was it was it a, a pretty uh, detailed then, the stuff you were doing? Oh, yeah, it was detailed. We, we would... You know, overdub, record full band, record songs for other artists that he would, you know, submit songs to, for them to do. So, and then, you know, I worked in a, uh, a couple with a couple other bands while I was there too, but mainly with him. But I assisted Tom Garneau was a main engineer there on uh, the Moody Blues, mm. and that was fun. Those guys are good guys, you know. By that time, they were, you know, they they were long past their prime, but they were still touring a lot and recording there i think that they were working on a live performance mixing a live performance tell can i ask you uh, steve about uh going to uh, overseas to to uh, great britain with the prince yes sure yeah there was that was 1992 it was the the new the uh, diamonds and pearls tour so uh he was he had a sort of a residency at earl's court which is now gone um a beloved venue very bad sound though but mm -hmm. I was I had I think he had about twenty shows over there. I was there for maybe four weeks and then rented a studio out where he could work after performing. So uh, you know, we recorded stuff there at the studio, at Olympic Studios, I think it was. So I was there, but uh, you know, I'd go to the show. So he he qualifies for the most times I've seen of the same artist, most shows I've seen, most concerts, because I just go over to the to the venue at night when there was a show and just, you know, had the pass, it just walked right backstage, and then I would watch the show from the soundboard with the sound engineer. So, but I know that the sound in that place was so bad that he, I heard from the sound man that uh, Prince was walking around during the, you know, warm up when they were rehearsing just to see if he could tweak it. He'd walk up way up high. So he was concerned about it. It was a lost cause, but, uh, you know, it was fun to be there for that long a time. Carmen Electra was on that tour, wasn't she? She was, I think, in the beginning of it, and then didn't really work out so well, uh, <laughs> what I heard. Uh, I worked a lot on her record that, that was under the Paisley Park Records. Okay. I don't know where I've been. I didn't know she was a musician. Well, I thought she was an actress. She's both. Okay. I mean, she's really a rapper okay. and a slight singer and a dancer. You know, she uh, Carmen Elector was not her real name. That was her stage name that Prince gave her, and uh, she came in from... Ohio, I believe, and uh, so he was, uh, you know, he's always trying to get the next big thing, you know, mm -hmm. um, groom artist, yep. you know, and uh, she made a record, and uh, most of the songs were written or co-written by Prince or, or Levi Caesar, his guitar, so and he, Levi, I think, 
really produced that record more so than Prince, but but I engineered a lot of it and was involved in it. So I don't know if it did that well, but yeah. it's it's still out there. Huh? Uh, yeah. Well, that's well, that's inside intel there. And who else was on that tour? That anybody stand out for you? That, uh... Let's see. No, I think by the time I w- I was over in England, she had come back. Mm-hmm. And then I don't rem- I don't recall there being an opening act in, at Earl's Court. Yeah, that I can remember. If, I'm, if, there, if there were, I missed it. <laughs> yeah, but it, when you're, uh, in, were you able to play in your band while you're engineering for Prince? It had to be tricky. Well, I really wasn't. I mean, I was playing and writing mm-hmm. tunes back then, but not. Uh, I didn't really have it full force. It just took up too much of my time. Yeah. You know? So I would just, you know, sleep when I got got out of the studio and then had to go right back you know Mm -hmm. but uh i was still involved in music you know still playing and now i am more so than ever you know and i play 12 string guitar yeah very well i might add oh thanks yeah well i uh i've got enough of them i've got let's see i've got three acoustics and two electrics now so i got this brand new acoustic uh, that was custom made and at martin guitar that my father helped me out with and was involved with design so we went out to the factory and Saw it being made, and uh, it's it's something, man. It's like uh, it's blue burst, and it's got a custom pick guard with my logo on it. So it's it's fun to play too. I mean, it's a nice sounding guitar. It's a jumbo. So is it your favorite guitar? At this point, yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, I have nice guitars. All of them are nice, but this one is special. Well, it's so. like talking to a. a Professional baseball players, there's certain gloves. Yeah. When they got a certain glove, there's one glove that's always more special than the rest. And I'm sure for a musician, guitars are, you know, and you you know them so well. Yeah. Um, but then after the after working at Princeton, were you able to get back into the band a little bit and perform more, which you, you obviously enjoy after yeah. having seen you a few yeah. times? Right, yeah. After I got out of the, the Prince thing, then I actually took a break from music for a while, did some other things, mm-hmm. and then kind of returned to it. Way after, you know, and then yeah. I started writing more songs and recording, and uh, but all the while still going to concerts. I'm not trying to get off topic here. Sorry. Yeah. No, you kidding me? <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to sit here and tell Prince stories like that. Working right next to him. I mean, it's you know, he's an icon, a legend, and you were right in the middle of that. He is Steve Noonan, but he has attended a lot of concerts. He's performed a lot himself. We're going to talk more about those in just a minute here on My First Concert. Dave Lee here with you, uh, talking about all the people at Aquarius Home Services. Dave Lee for Aquarius Home Services with some great news. It's back. The Aquarius Home Services and Connecticut Customer Appreciation and Open House event is Friday, May 5th through Sunday, May 7th. Connecticut Water Treatment Systems up to 30% off. Salt and water filters 20% off. New heating and cooling systems up to 25% off. And don't forget to bring a water sample for a free water analysis. It's the Aquarius Connecticut Open House event May 5th through the 7th in Little Canada at 694 and 35E. Details at AquariusHomeServices.com. Don't you just love it when you can confidently say that someone has your back? Hi, Dave Lee here, and that's the feeling I have with UCARE. Anytime I call them up with a Medicare question, I know without a doubt that a real person will answer, and they will work through my issues no matter how long it takes, and they won't hang up until I completely understand what's going on. Their people and customer service are second to none, and it's why UCARE has people-powered health plans. Don't hesitate to reach out to UCARE for help. Learn more at UCARE.org slash Medicare. This paid endorsement brought to you by UCARE. Steve Noon is with us. Okay, Steve, back to the concerts for a second. Yes. Uh, we talked about the first, but but as a musician, you could break these down even a little bit better than that. Loudest. Yes, loudest. That would have to go to a local band here, The Replacements. 
1989 at Roy Wilkins Auditorium. This is soon after I moved here. And uh, that that show was loud. I was far away, but it was, uh, you know, I don't know how to explain it. You know, you couldn't hear anything but. And uh, I didn't have earplugs in. Yeah. I think, man, maybe I did. I don't know. My ears are ringing. And then the, the tie also goes to uh, the Mighty Lemon Drops mm. in New York City. Sometime in, I guess it was 1990, 1991, maybe, 1990. No, it had to be before 1990, but I forget the club. It was more like First Avenue. It's still there. What is that name? I don't know, but that was that was loud, too. You know, you couldn't uh, couldn't really think, almost, you know. Did too, you go into loud. the New York clubs a lot growing up in that area? Not often, no, yeah. because uh, I wasn't even that far away. Yeah, you're but, close. Yeah, but I didn't, didn't really go that much. I mean, I went to... Boston. I went to school in Hartford, Connecticut, and I went to school in Boston. I, so after I got that age, I didn't uh, wasn't around that much, but uh, occasionally. Is there a best concert? The best concert I think I would, I've seen in terms of musicianship and just vibe and feel and impressive. How it impressed me was Echo and the Bunnymen in about 1986. Hmm. Yeah, I was a big fan of the. Still am of uh, the British postmodern bands, The Cure yeah. and Echo and the Bunnymen. They played in, in, I think it was in Massachusetts somewhere. And you know those dissonant melodies over chords that you wouldn't think would go. Uh, they just had this, I don't know, this vibe and it's smoky and dark and you know and loud but not too loud and just you know dynamics soft and then loud and soft and then loud. It just it was like a hurricane went through the place. Did you know going in that they were as good as they were? Well, I like their record a lot. Yeah. Ocean Rain, which is one of their best. So I didn't know they'd be like that live, but I guess they had that reputation in England, you know, as being a good live band. So Was there a funniest? I would say the funniest. Uh, well, yeah, there is, yeah. I w my wife and I went to see Keith Urban in Nashville once, and... Uh, so in order to get good tickets, I just giant joined up with his uh, fan base, fan club. I don't know what it costs. One, you know, do it once a year. Then you get access to the tickets. So by doing that, I was pulled out of a hat to meet him before the show. Hmm. You know, me and maybe 50 other people, you know. So I go down. You know, only I could go. She couldn't go. My wife couldn't go with me. <laughs> only me. So you go underneath the Bridgestone Arena, you know. You yeah. have the pre-ticket. You go in the, the bowels where they load in. And they have two tents set up, and he goes back and forth, you know, to groups of people. And it was mainly, you know, women, older women. So I'm in there with this group of women, and he comes in. And they're like, ah, oh, Keith, hi. And he, he says, hi. And he looks at me and just kind of gives me the nod, you know, like he thought I was working. <laughs> he, thought, he didn't know I was part of the crew, you know, part of the people to meet him, you know. So they, he says hi, talks to them, and then, and then I look at him and said, yeah, I'm, I'm Steve, and I'm here too, you know. He's oh, oh, okay. What? <laughs> What are you doing here? I said, I'm looking at studios, you know, and you got any suggestions? So <laughs> I told him I was, that was when I recorded, I was looking to record I Could Be Anywhere, my, yeah. my record. And so I told him the studios I was looking at. He said, they're all good, you know, and he was right. They're all good around there. And uh, But he said, you know, Steve Noonan, I will remember that. So I don't know. I haven't heard anything from him since, but but he's uh, <laughs> it was funny. It'd be fun to watch you two play guitar together. Well, he'd be doing the soloing. I would be playing the rhythm. But... Uh, yeah, he's he's a great guitarist and a great showman and you know, nice guy, genuine. I mean, he was really uh uh nice to those people, you know. He knew what they came for. Onyx, have you ever gone to a concert and it's turned out better than you thought, unexpected at all? Or 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 vice versa? Yes, I have. I got all these categories here written down. And uh 
The one that was unexpected was, that uh, was better than I thought, was Donnie and Marie Osmond. Hmm. Saw them in Las Vegas just on a whim, and, you know, the cats in that band could play. They had a horn section, drummer, guitars, and then those two can sing. I mean, they're versatile singers. Marie was singing an opera. Then she hmm. sang a Led Zeppelin cover. Sounded great. And then she sang her country. And then Donnie, you know, he could sing. He sang this song. Uh, one of their hits was called Wild, Wild, no, Crazy Horses. And uh, it's, it's a, almost like a metal song almost, you know? Hmm. And he introduced it. He's funny. He's like, you know, I know there's one person that likes this song, you know. Ozzy Osbourne came up to me once and I met him. I love that song, Crazy Horses. <laughs> <laughs> so then he breaks into it and you know they did the old dances he's got a lot of energy and he's a good singer and the band was great so I was you know I was surprised wow yeah that that would be I don't know what I would expect from Donnie Marie but I guess that that probably wouldn't have been it so yeah. that's great to hear um, th- as a guy that knows sound and had to work with sound and still does obviously but I mean maybe with your engineering background as well as your, your musicianship has there been a concert that would you would classify as the best sounding concert? There have been many, but the one that stands out, Dave, I think, is a few years ago we saw the Steve Miller Band at the Grandstand, Minnesota State Fair, mm-hmm. and the sound was just perfect. I mean, you could hear every little thing, not too loud. They could hear the the tube sound of Steve Miller's amp, his guitar, and whoever runs the sound over there for the Grandstand is doing a good job because I've seen a few shows over there and have not been disappointed. But that one especially, I don't know, for some reason stuck out, you know. That's interesting because you think of a state fair or grandstand situation, I guess you don't think about an, uh, a sound like you'd hear in the Guthrie or the Ordway or somewhere like right. that. Right, yeah. Maybe it was where I was sitting or I don't know. It's uh, Yeah, it was good. It was a good show too. I mean, he's another funny guy. He's got stories, you know. He talked about a story. He picked up this old sitar guitar that he for 150 oh. bucks wow. in some bin. Rabbi Shankar. What's that? Rabbi Shankar. Remember him? He's Nora Jones's dad. Oh. Yeah. And he plays the sitar. The Beatles were big fans of his. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This, that's a deep track. I, yeah. That's about all I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, Steve Miller uses that, that instrument on, uh, oh, what's that song? I can't remember the song, but he, he said during the show, he's been offered $100,000 for it. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> But I, I would probably take the money and just give him the instrument. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Let's go. Have you have you tried to play a sitar? I never have. No, no. I mean, I I stop at twelve strings. You know? <laughs> That's enough for me. Yeah. So you're not going to mess with a harp or anything like that either. No, but you know, I like the sound of the harp. But yeah. No, no. When you put together an album, I mean, and your musicians, I know you like to use, but instrumentation. Uh, how much effort are you putting into how, what kind of instruments I'm going to have? And I, I, that always has fascinated me. That, that's a production question, you know? I mean, it really depends on the song, Dave, what the song's trying to emulate. I mean, you can produce a song in multiple ways, you know? Same exact song. That's why you hear some people doing Purple Rain in a country setting, you know? So you can, you can really manipulate what you want the song to sound like. So you, it just has to align with your vision, you know? Um, a lot of times I want that that British postmodern feel, you know? I like yeah. a dark earth with pads, you know, keyboard pads in the background. And um, I just, I kind of like that ethereal, that ethereal thing. Did you help engineer Purple Rain? No, no. That was before my time. Okay. And uh, no, I did anything past, let's see, Diamonds and Pearls and then the Love Symbol album. Oh, okay. Yeah, the one right after that. 
We're talking with Steve Noonan on uh, My First Concert, Dave Lee here, and we've got more to talk about here in a minute. Our thanks to the folks at propane.com. Hey, keep that website handy. There's a lot to learn there, and I know we're all worried about what's going on with energy and carbon footprint and all of that. We should be. Uh, and what's reliable, what's affordable, and there's a diverse energy mix out there. And that's what's going to provide reliability and affordability. And that's important because of this environment we all live in here in Minnesota, because as you know, we have all sorts of different kinds of weather. And a clean energy solution is what we're looking for, for tomorrow. But the thing is, it is available today, and it can work alongside other energy sources. And that's why we're talking about propane at propane.com. Boy, check out the website, because you can learn a ton right there, too. I'll just give you a, a quick line, because this always seems to get attention. Propane produces 43% fewer emissions than electricity generated from the U.S. grid. How about that? If you think about that for a minute, you say, I'm going to go to that website. I'm going to learn more about propane. It's energy stored on site. It's independent from the vulnerabilities of the grid, too, by the way. And propane's benefits go on and on. Major advances being made right now, and renewable propane is compatible with traditional propane and requires no additional infrastructure investments. That's another big deal. So as we here try to uh, use all of these low-carbon alternatives... Let's think about propane to safely provide energy, reliability, resiliency, and affordability. Propane, the right energy right now. Find out more about what propane can do for you at propane.com. Steve Noon is with us here on My First Concert. Steve, let me talk about playing right now. You got anything cooking here that people should know about? Nothing scheduled performance-wise. This summer, I've decided I'm going to dedicate it to writing songs for the new, the new record I'll be, I'll be making next year or so. I don't have anything that, uh, in terms of live performances, on the docket. You've played the fair as well. I've been out there and seen you perform uh, there. And you've played a lot of different venues. Do you have a, a favorite venue where you performed? I think, you know, the Minnesota State Fair is one of my favorite places to go. Yeah. So that was uh, one of my favorite places to play. Um, I'd like to play there again sometime in the future, maybe on a different stage. Uh, the stage that I played at was called the Ramberg Music Center, which now became a bingo hall. Oh, it has. So, last last year, anyways. I don't, maybe this year it's different, but it was a senior citizen place, resting area, and then they turned it into a music hall the year I played there. Mm -hmm. And then last year, I skipped for COVID, and then last year it was uh, a bingo hall. So I don't think I'll be playing there. One of the cool but, things you've done, though, is you've gone to a lot of the independent radio stations across the country, and, had, and they're, they're playing a lot of your music. That's true, yeah. I... I uh, uh, the last couple of records I've done, I've, I've utilized a, a company here in town to promote it, and uh, they've done a good job. You know, I, I have a special place in my heart for college radio, yeah. non-commercial radio, for independent artists like me, uh, and, and I've gotten some good spins, you know, um, especially the last record I had, a song called Either Way, that was probably the most spun, um, and then surprisingly, I had another song on the record that got more spins than I... I realized I wasn't even going to put it on the record because it's in 5-4 five, five, time. Well, actually, 5-8. And then goes into 6-8. This is a meter for musicians. And uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of a swashbuckly song. But it got a lot more spins when I saw the BMI report come through. Hmm. Uh, that that I, I was surprised by it. So you never know what people are going to like. Hopefully, they like what you put out. Uh, if someone wants to hear your music, where do they go? Well, all the usual suspects. Mm -hmm. Apple Music. Pandora, Spotify, um, yeah, anything streaming, I'm out there. Yeah, 
Steve Noonan, by the way. It doesn't. It's pretty easy to find. I am. Yeah, there is one thing to make sure of. There's another musician with my name from the 60s. Oh, really? I did not Sometimes know Sometimes we get intertwined. Oh, okay. But I think I've got it. I think I got it separated. But you never know. Apple's the worst the worst offender, but they think I finally have it. So it's uh, it's a little tough when you have a sort of a unique name and there's another musician with your sort of unique name. Yeah. <laughs> People just assume there's only one, but uh, there are more. So what have we left out concert-wise uh, uh, through these years with Steve Newton? Um, After-party concert. Oh, gosh, yeah. What's that? We, again, the Minnesota State Fair, we had seen uh, Nick Jonas, I think. At, at, yeah, at the State Fair, and people from Prince's band were in his band, the administration, the rhythm section, Tommy Barbarella, Sonny Thompson, Michael Bland. So then we somehow, I guess I heard from Tommy, who played on my record, yes. that they were doing a after show at the Fine Line Cafe downtown here in Minneapolis. So we were able to score passes to get in there. This is after the State Fair. The funny thing is we, my wife, Han, and I had been there all day. Had a couple beers. You know, you get tired walking around the fair. Sure you do, yeah. So we had to take a nap in the car in downtown Minneapolis before the, <laughs> before the after party started, you know, for like an hour. Set our alarms. Oh, yeah, we got to get in there. But we get in there, and, and then it was, it was good. You know, the, the rhythm section's great. And then Nick plays, plays a good guitar and is a good singer. And uh, it, was, it was the best after party uh, concert that I'd been to. Okay. I haven't been to that many after yeah. parties. Wow! Yeah, and then, of course they've they, they, they've blown up since. I mean, the Jonas Brothers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were. I guess that was when they had split up and they were just doing things on their own. Yeah. Of course, they're back together again. But they they know how to write songs. You know, they're fellow New Jersey boys. You know. Yep. Well, writing songs. I mean, it, when did you get that craft figured out? Well, were you I, a young kid at the time? Or? I I wrote, wrote some bad things when I was a young kid, but <laughs> <laughs> I learned how to get better at Berkeley College of Music, and now I have a very keen ear for it and I mean I'm critical yeah. so I hear a lot of songs that I don't really like and I hear a lot of songs that I do like for the same reason there's a lot of a lot of the songs in the country realm follow the formula that I like which is you know the verse chorus the chorus is the main message yeah. they don't repeat they don't uh, drone on you know it's so they're all all my songs are out in three and a half minutes you know yeah the uh, well when you go to a concert can you enjoy the concert, or are you kind of you're listening for sound, you're listening for lyrics, you're listening, watching the band because you do these things? Is yeah. that is a different beast for you? Well, I do enjoy the concert, but yeah, I do. Have, I listen with a discerning ear, and yeah. I will be. Able, I can be. I can tell if something's gone off or I hear a mistake, you know. But uh, it's usually what happens at concerts: the sound is poor in the beginning, even though they plan for it. But you get a crowd of people in the hall, and then everything changes. Yeah, and then after a couple songs, it gets better, and then. Uh, uh, yeah, I do listen do listen to the quality of the songs and what they do and the melodies and the rhymes and that's important to me, you know. And uh I mean a lot of people do it well. Like Taylor Swift is a great songwriter in my opinion. Great rhymes, melodies follow. Uh, she has a lot of clever stuff, you know. Yeah, she's doing all right. I think she's going to make it. Yeah. Although I I'm I I think I've told you that before. I I know I, I met her uh before a concert one time. And her mom was there as well. And she could not have been nicer. Oh, yeah. She could not. And it, I, I think the thing that threw, threw me for a loop, I don't know what I was expecting. But she was asking everybody else about themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't recall her saying anything about, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. and it, I, You just don't see that. Mm -hmm. 
Because, you know, usually, I mean, all the years that I've done interviews and stuff, nobody really cares about the interviewer. Why should they? And you've got to get that in your head that you're not, you're not the reason right. they're there. Uh, but she was just, I mean, she just has it figured out. Yeah, I was nice. quite impressed. I've never met her, but have you been, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to put everybody to sleep. But pretty good, pretty good. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, it's always fun to hear you and listen to you, by the way. And I encourage people to check out Steve Noonan online on uh, the same places you get this podcast, whether it be Apple, Spotify, and just uh, check out his music and his songwriting skills as well. And the 12-string guitar, what what made you fall in love with that? I, you know, just the sound of it. There were, I think there was a song I heard in the 70s. Uh, I don't know. I heard some songs when I was a kid, and the, the guitar sounded different somehow, something better. You know, I didn't yeah. know it was a 12-string until I finally played a 12-string. I think it might have been on Rumors. Uh, I don't Never going. No, I don't. I don't want to know. It was called. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought, what is it with that guitar? You know. So then I, I, I figured it out late, probably you know in the nineties, uh, way after I'd heard the song. And uh, then I realized, oh, it's a twelve string. Okay, now I get it. And uh, from then on, I've just been you know in pursuit of of twelve strings. And uh, they're they're definitely unique in that each one, it's very, it's a it's a game of. 16th and 30 seconds of inches with with the strings the way they're spaced so and i'm amazed at how much i can feel a difference in just a, a 16th of an inch width and a neck and how the strings are spaced but that's the way it is i mean most of the 12 string guitars i play the strings are spaced too far apart so you get they feel like 12 individual strings rather than six sets of two hmm. so mine are not like that mine are, i've got some burns electrics and martin acoustics and uh, they're pretty, they're easy to play in terms of 12 strings, but you do have to approach it a little differently. Oh, no kidding. If you had to, if you're going to set up a show, Steve, you're going to have a concert, whatever venue you decide, what three acts are going to be in it? What three acts amongst those you've seen? And I know you're going to walk out here and go, oh, I should have said so-and-so and so-and-so. <laughs> uh, but if you set, live or dead, if you set up a concert with three bands, or three solo artists, or guitar players, whoever. Oh, man. Who would you put up there? Well, would it be to draw the audience or just people I want no, to play No, it's, it's for you. <laughs> I th I'd say, you know, the people that are in influenced me would be Jackson Brown, um, and then probably uh, maybe The Cure, and uh, Full Band, not just Robert Smith. And then maybe lately, you know, I've taken a, taken a shine to... Jacob Dylan and the Wallflowers, huh. you know? I think that that would be a good billing in terms of music style. Yeah, I do too. Uh, see that Laurel Canyon uh, uh, documentary when you get a chance. And then Jackson Brown, I remember the last time I saw him here in town, it was uh, at the, uh, might have been the Orpheum. I can't quite remember, but anyway, he was, it was downtown Minneapolis. And he mentioned his mom is, grew up in St. Paul. I'd never know, never knew that. Before. I knew there was some connection. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it might have been his grandmother, but maybe it is his. Mother. I thought he said his mom was a St. Paulite, but anyway. Yeah, I, I, I might have been at that show. Was it? Did he have a few female singers singing background, and uh, full band? Yeah, full band. I mean, that yeah. was the best show I've ever seen him put on. Yeah, that last show I saw, I think it was 2018, and. Uh, the guitar player was, uh, I met him after the show. He played a lot. Oh, did you? Yeah. What was his name? He was very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I can't, because that's that Jackson Brown guitar sounds very distinctive. Mm -hmm. 
as well. But he had all the, the harmonies down. That, that band had played every nuance of the recordings, and he played a lot of old songs, and he didn't... He was pretty uh, clear-headed through the whole way. Yeah. She has a reputation for being a little, at the end of the show, being a little not as sharp as in the beginning. Yeah. But uh, this one, yeah, that was the best one I've seen him play. And I saw him years ago, so. Damn. Yeah, I still, I think, Saturate. Uh, was it Saturate Before Using? Was that the name of the wetters? Actually. Saturate When Wet? Saturate Before Using. That was it. That's the first album. I, I, I heard that album. I don't even know what song it was. It wasn't Doctor My Eyes. It was another song out there, and mm-hmm. that, I went, "Wow!" Yeah, that that was a groundbreaking record. But you know, it wasn't called that. It was called Jackson Brown officially. That saturate before using that's a burlap tool that that people would put over their cars, over the radiators in the desert, and they'd saturate it with water to keep the the, the engine cool. Huh? That's I never what, knew that. That's what saturate yeah. before using was. But it's officially not the name of the record. That's interesting. I have the album still at home, by the way. I think my label maker had my name on it. <laughs> the things you learn with me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You kidding me? Hey, Steve, uh, have we left anything out? I got a feeling there's a lot of stuff you probably have. Uh, I'll just go with one more. The latest. Yeah, no, go with anything. We, we're, we've got nothing but time. 3 a.m., Jerry Garcia Band, New York City. Wow. And we're supposed to go on at, you know, 8. <laughs> so my friends, I was trying to get them to leave, you know? Yeah, let's go. Oh, man. I just, oh, and they, wow. they persuade him to stay. He comes on at 3 o'clock, plays, <laughs> plays for a half an hour. <laughs> That's it? Yeah, something like that, with a, with an upright bassist. And, you know, plays some ballads, and then that was it. So then we <laughs> left and went back to New Jersey. <laughs> What'd you do that whole time? Just Oh, man, they, they just got bored, and then they occasionally <laughs> would bring out another band, but... I remember this one woman came out, some Latin American-based music and woman. She started playing a song, and then my friend threw a, a rolled-up piece of paper at her. Oh, nice. And after that, boom, the, the security yeah. came out, took her right off. It was just paper, but they thought, this is going to be the beginning of the end here. Yeah. But by that time, it was like, you know, 1 a.m. So, <laughs> and he's still could not you blame him? Yeah, I know. He probably didn't know where he was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. And, and have I left anything out? Um, let's see. These are too good not to. Yeah. Well, the longest, longest show is Bruce Springsteen, as you might could guess. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. Capitol Center, Maryland, sometime in the 90s. Mm. I mean, the 80s. Uh, But, uh, yeah, that was the longest. I don't know how he does it, but. um, Was he, was he Bruce Springsteen? Was he, well, he must, in the 80s, he would have been big. Yeah, oh, yeah, he was big, yeah. I forget what record he was touring behind, but, uh, yeah, that's. I think that's it. I mean, I can't think of anything else I could, I could tell you regarding concerts, but this has been fun. Yeah. Oh, it's been great. Are you kidding me? But you never saw Savoy Browns do Wang Dang Doodle in live, did you? <laughs> Nobody like, has. I think I'm the only guy that was at the show. <laughs> <laughs> Private concert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Well, man, Steve, I, uh, a lot of things to talk about. I know we could go much longer, um, but it was great to see you. It's always great to hear you, too. Again, I encourage you folks, Steve Noonan, N-O-O-N-A-N, and just make sure they check that out on Apple or Spotify. Or just like you will for this show where you can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, TalkNorth.com. We've got a lot of podcasts here that you're uh, encouraged to listen to, a lot of good stuff here as well. And uh, it's great to have you along on our uh, fun little bit here on my first concert. Thanks, Steve. Thanks so much, Dave. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Brandon, for helping out. Dave Lee here, and we'll talk to you next week. 